Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. This is the Emergency Nine Golf Podcast. And tonight, you just got two of us. McLean's here. I'm here. Mike. Jay is out of town at a toilet plunging conference or something. I'm not sure what they talk about at these conferences. But uh, no, no Jay today. Uh, probably maybe a little bit shorter of an episode with only uh, a two-man weave here going back and forth. No, I'm ready to argue. We continue our bifurcation uh, conversation with with no moderator. (laughs) We'll go all night. Yeah, we can't get into that again. No, but I've I've had some comments. People like it when we argue and when we get pissed at each other. So, you know, stay tuned. And and, in all honesty, people, it's none of this argument has ever been staged. This is all like our genuine opinions. And yeah. We just disagree a lot, in especially in the later half of the episode after we've gotten a little bit of uh, liquid courage down. Speaking of liquid courage, yeah, we were talking about a, a long weekend that continued last night. So, Corona light. Yeah, just taking it easy. All right, we did do hibachi tonight. Oh, you go. So I had a little bit, had a little sake. Sake. Oh, hot stuff's so sake. gross. Oh, the hot stuff's awful. No, you can't do that. Oh, can't do that. Uh, it's un-American. Wait a sec. Wait a sec. Very un-American. Wow. Yeah. Um, I'm on a little uh, 2020 limited edition Maker's Mark that I still have. Impressive. I've got a 2022 uh, Corona Light imported from South of the border. There you go. Isn't it made in America now? I, I guarantee it is. Yeah. I mean, I, yeah. I, there's zero chance this this particular beer came from. <laughs> It just it made it sound better if I said there you that. Go. You know, if I, if I said it came from Philly, it's just not that cool. No, no. So we are recording this on a Tuesday night. So sorry for the one day delay. Uh, I had a long day yesterday down in Williamsburg at uh, gorgeous Two Rivers Country Club. We had some Mid Atlantic PGA meetings, our uh, spring meeting, and then we kicked off our year with a little pro pro and got my ass utterly kicked. Play with a good buddy, Elliot Wilson from um, teaches over at Independence Golf Club here in, in Richmond. He's a good player. I'm can be a good player at times. And the conditions were brutal 48 degrees, 30 mile an hour winds. The greens were firm and fast. And it was a bloodbath out there for us club pros that don't play on the regular and especially not in those conditions. I can deal with cold. I can deal with wind. I can deal with firm, fast greens. The th- combination of the three of them together made for quite a day, quite a day. So um, I was texting the guys earlier. I hit a shot to about six, eight feet right on top of this ledge, kind of a shelf. As I was walking up to the green to mark my ball, a gust of wind came and blew it about 30, 35 feet all the way back down to the green. So um, after one of the rare good shots of the day, I was grinding to two putt from there. So that's just how the day went. I I don't know how you're doing it. I got to be honest with you. (laughs) I mean, just hearing about that. Here we go. So much better about my move to South Florida. (laughs) Just brutal. It didn't touch 48 during our three day winter, (laughs) Uh, much less cold. Uh, I think I woke up yesterday and it was like 22. No, no, not interested. I mean, yeah. kudos. No, no, you know, I, I love it up there. Obviously, you know, I do that, but uh, 
man, does it feel nice down here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Good for you. Beautiful Florida weather. That's awesome. So happy for you. I appreciate that. <laughs> Very genuine when I say that. So I, happy for you. I can. I promise that uh, I'm happy for the both of us because if I didn't live down here, I wouldn't be able to rub it in your face like that. <laughs> And as we do in this show, we take any chance to rub anything in someone's face. So 100%. You get by with nothing. <laughs> That's right. So let's talk about some good golf. Uh, not my shitty golf yesterday. Um, this past weekend, we had the Dell whatever match play World Golf Championship event in Austin at Austin Country Club. Scotty Scheffler just continues his heater that he's on in the last two months, month and a half, whatever it is, since he won at at Phoenix and then wins Bay Hill and now jumps to world number one after his win jumps from five to one. That's how tight it is at the top of the world golf rankings uh, and wins in a grueling marathon of an event for the guys that make it all the way to, to Sunday. So what, what's your take on Scotty? I mean, it, we've talked about him obviously a few times now with, with a couple wins. He's hard not to like just as a person it seems like everything you hear about him everything you see every time he talks to the media or has a camera in his face just seems like a stand-up good dude and we've talked about his unique golf swing but man he is on a run yeah i mean i remember back when he was a captain's pick for the Ryder cup and at that time we made a somewhat of an argument to say that you know he he was playing the best of anyone in the world. I think he's followed up everything that we've thought, everything that we've talked about, and he's made good on what, what he came to do. Um, anyone who had high expectations for him is 100% validified at this point. Um, 100% validified. Yeah. The guy is the real deal. He's got the, he seems to really have the mental game. I mean, the guy seems almost unflappable at times. Uh, and I, I personally really like his move only because it's a, it's a very natural movement. You know, it's not mechanical. It seems so feel based. And to me, that has a history of a very long term career on the PGA tour. When you look at those guys, you know, at one time, that's how it was done by the majority of them. Mm -hmm. Now with modern golf, it is a, it is a little bit different. And with some of the new movements, you know, it's, we're still kind of, yet to be seen how how the longevity of players will exist playing kind of the modern game to me he plays an old school game and we know that those guys can get out there and carve out a really nice career a long-term career with a lot of success and i, I personally think scotty scheffler is gonna um gonna get it done more this year i think with when he gets hot he gets that putter really hot he's hitting the ball well he hits a massive towering ball that makes a lot of golf courses um, very accessible to to a degree that you know some guys just don't have. You know he can hit a high long iron in there and stop it on a dime. And again, I, getting off on a tangent inside of Scotty Scheffler, um, but I, I just I think the guy's going to win a lot. Yeah, and he, he he does have that feel game, but he seems to, especially at a place like Austin Country Club, which is a little quirky, a little goofy, gets windy. Mm -hmm. He can hit all the shots. We've talked about JT a couple weeks ago. Yeah. Seemed to flighting it and hit a lot of different shots. He can also hit it towering, but if he has to hit it low and penetrating and work something, he can do that too. And, um, you know, Scotty seems to be the epitome of, you know, we have all these guys that are young and up and coming and they all of a sudden they win. You're like, oh, this is going to open the floodgates. It's going to open the floodgates. Well, it's definitely opened the floodgates with, with Scotty. Um, 
Yeah, and he he never seems phased by the moment. Although, you know, he got pretty emotional right there. Um, I forget what green he finished on, maybe 15 when the match ended against Kisner. And, you know, hugged his wife, got emotional. His parents came out and started crying. He needed a minute. And, you know, definitely, I, he, he definitely knew he was becoming number one player in the world. And I think, you know, you, you work that hard for that long since he was a little kid to, you know, achieve that. And you finally do it, especially in the city where he went to school at a golf course. He's played a bunch with a bunch of family and friends there. Yeah. It had to have been a, uh, a pretty damn cool, cool moment for him. And yeah, I mean, he was, what are we talking? Eight months ago, seven months ago, he was the last pick on our Ryder cup team. And now he's number one player in the world. Mm-hmm. Just kind of shows you how freaking strong that U.S. team is, is the last player in the world in a six-month time frame can be a captain's pick. The number one player in the world is. Um, well, we also got to give the credit to him, and I think probably getting out there with some of those guys has made his experience out on tour a lot more comfortable. You know, he was he was a budding player, but someone that we had starting to get, we had gotten really familiar with, especially um, your more avid listeners or followers of the sport. He was on our radars, but he wasn't on everyone's radar. Mm-hmm. This experience, I think, played a big part in this. You know, he got out there and got to cement a relationship with some other guys out there on tour. Um, you come back from being a Ryder Cup pick, and I don't know what it feels like, but I got to think it swings pretty big and heavy uh, when you walk back on the tee the next week, just coming back from the Cup. So I, I think there's some confidence booster there, and what he's done since then I, I obviously speaks volumes for um, where he's at right now with his game. Yeah, I think something just like that, hanging out with those guys that he looks up to or been trying to beat and then spends a week straight with them. And he was like, I, yeah, I can play with these guys. They don't do anything that I can't do, you know? And so that definitely had to, that experience probably had to play a role in, you know, taking that next step. And we were talking about it this time last year. You know, we would pick him. Someone would pick him in DraftKings, and ah, oh, it's his time. It's his time. He's going to break through. He's always up there, top twenty, top twenty, top twenties, and and yeah, now he gets it done. So I mean, I think he'll be obviously. I don't know if he's the number one player in the world. Uh, if that makes sense, I know the rankings say he is because of the the points that he's amassed, but yeah, I just think it's because it's so tight up there. You know, we, we dealt with Tiger for hell years that had such a massive point lead. He could have basically taken two years off on the tour and still sure. no one was going to catch him. Sure. Now we're we're in a world where there's 10, 12 legitimate guys that could be number one player in the world by the rankings any given week, really. So he happens to be the guy right now. I think we're going to see the number one ranking bounce all over the place this year. I wouldn't be surprised if, if three or four guys even have it at one point you know you look at obviously scotty now goes to number one rom's two morikawa's three hovland's four patrick cantler's all the way down to five you're like he's not the fifth ranked player in the world he just came off a unbelievable year and then you look at rom you're like well well what about jt what about rory what about dj you look at all these guys you're like oh shit the top of the game is is deep right now very deep we have a a, a it's a situation I don't know that we've seen, at least not in a long time, to where you have exactly like you said, 10, 12 guys that are legitimate number ones when they're on top of their game. Um, 
the sport's in a good place right now. I look forward to seeing these guys get out there and duel it out. And uh, I like to see who, who remains up there for a long period of time. Who's here to just kind of peek in and uh, you know, say hello real quick. Especially now that we're essentially on the, with the masters next week, we're on the eve of major season. So yep. we got four massive events coming up with the four majors in the next four months that are going to decide that who is the number one player of the world, who's going to step up and not just win Bay Hill, but win the masters wins the British open, the PGA, whatever it may be. It's uh, it's going to be an interesting time to see who, who again can, can win those big events. And, you know, you look at this again, the world ranking points. So Scotty Scheffler, I, I don't know how they, they get these points. It's on a two year basis with an average and, uh, obviously, it's it's their finishes and relative to the strength of uh, the field they're playing against. But so his points are eight point two nine. John Rom is eight point two one. I mean, so Rom could, yeah. And you know the way these things work too. These guys don't even play, and they change in the ranking just because of what falls off from two years ago. Mm-hmm. So if they have a win that falls off, you know, someone can all of a sudden go go down in the rankings without playing, and someone can jump in without playing. But then, basically, in a in a two and a half, three and a half point difference on the world golf rankings, you go all the way down to ninth in Roy McIlroy. And I take that back, two and a half points all the way down is ninth. So you're you're again, it's it's lumped up. Someone wins the Masters and they're going to jump way up and ahead of people. But yeah, I think Scotty is unbelievable. I think he's playing awesome golf this year. I'm going to pull up his stats right now, and they got to be through the roof with three wins. He's got to be leading everything. Yeah, I know he's leading FedEx. And just so from a strokes gain standpoint, off the tee, 73rd, uh, approach 29th, around the greens, 33rd, putting 15th, tee to green, 23rd, and, and total 8th. Yeah, so obviously he's he's up there. I just don't – I don't know. Maybe I just – because he's still so young and all these, all this winning has been so quick. I think someone said it was 42 days ago. He was without a win and now he's the number one player in the world. Yeah. It's incredible what he's done. It's uh fast, very, he, very fast. He switched to a new putter and they said he rattled off like 6.3 million uh, in 45 yeah. days with that new putter. But did he switch at the week of Phoenix when I he won? Waste management. That's correct. Um, yeah, so that's obviously been a huge, huge boost for him. But even, you know, so that was his weak stat last year. He was 107th in putting. Mm-hmm. Um, but obviously his ball striking was pretty good, which is why he was finishing so high, as we have talked about on this podcast a couple of times. Yep. Um, but yeah, I mean, hell, I, I, maybe I'm selling him short. Maybe he will start running away, and if his putting stays this good, well, he's just win more and more and win a major this year and be the clear cut number one. I just don't know. It's just so hard to say someone's number one right now. I don't even know if someone put a gun to my head. I'm not even sure who I would. I'll say this. I like Scheffler's game for a U.S. Open. I think he's going to be a good U.S. Open player. Um, If we had to look at something that I think, uh, I think somewhere he'd play well, I think Augusta and most U.S. Open venues are going to play well. Where are we this year? U.S. Opens at the Country Club, Brookline, Mass. Might not be a good spot for him. He's going to hit his tee ball better. Yeah. Because um, those fairways are really narrow there. And yeah. then the greens are small. So it's going to be challenging to hit a lot of greens. But 
Yeah, I think generally speaking, he's a U.S. Open player. That's his. That's what the, his his fit. I think is U.S. Open number one. I'd probably say Masters two. I agree with that absolutely. Uh, for his his style of play, so I don't know. I think, but then you got. I think really any player can win at St. Andrews. Well, it brings in a lot of players. That that's kind of one of the unique and I think cool factors of the uh, tournament. Your distance plays somewhat of a benefit, but it it it's not the de facto, you know, number one. Uh, what am I trying to say here? It, it's not the uh, main factor in whether or not you can be successful there. Yeah. So I think we have a much wider field at a place like St. Andrews. And I think we'll see the guys who can really work the ball. You know, Jeff Scheffler could play really well there with the way he can fight his irons. You expect a guy like JT to play well with the way he fights his irons. There's going to be a contingent of European players that are going to play well um, because of their familiarity with the golf course, such as that, but also with their ability to fight their irons. You know, I don't mean to sound like a broken record here. But when you look at St. Andrews, to me, it all comes down to you know that second shot, driving the ball, getting it in play, being able to flight the ball off the tee, but you know keeping it, um, flighting it around the green or flighting it into the green. Yeah, you got to kind of play the angles a little bit because those greens can be so big, mm-hmm. and obviously, mo- how oh, I forget yeah, how many firm and fast mo- balls running forever. Most of those greens are, are double greens, so they're huge. So you got to be coming in from the right angle relative to the wind that you're playing in. You know, off the tee is just again about helping get that angle but also missing those bunkers. Yeah. And I think, I think again, we're kind of going down a rabbit hole here as we do, but I think at St. Andrews short game is actually really important because you may have a 110 foot putt. And the guy who can two putt that is going to save a bunch of strokes. Cause there's gonna be a bunch of guys three putting those, those long putts or, or hitting those goofy um, bump and runs from 30 yards out. There's so many short holes there. You could get yourself in some awkward yardages. You know, having a, a 25, 30 yard pitch downwind. And how do you play that? And on firm and fast, I can tell you, I don't know how to play it because I had a couple of those yesterday. So, um, yeah, I think, I think it's just, I'm, I'm just jacked up for the next couple months with how good golf is right now. And, um, Scotty was, was very impressive over the, uh, over the weekend. And again, last year too, he came in runner up. I mean, that's a lot of golf at that golf course. To get through match play, he's got some history there. Obviously, I mean, yeah. But I'm with you. That's a lot of good golf. I think he was supposed to be in the field this week at Valero and WD. And I don't blame him because I would be. Don't blame him. I mean, that's a marathon. How many holes did he play? Well, he played seven rounds of golf. I don't know exactly how many he played with. Yeah. With um, you know, where the match is finished, but. It ha- what's I'm not going to do math live here on the air, but was that 81 holes? No, that's not right. No, it's probably 100 and that's not right. 124 holes. 126. That's close. So again, he probably didn't play 126, but because not every match went to 18. My 81 was close. <laughs> Jesus Christ! Really close. Although he did have that long. Um, Against Fitzpatrick, they had to get into the playoff there to get out of group play. That went like six holes, yeah. And that extra, extra little shootout. But what, uh, what else do you make from the match play? Kisner, 
It's fun to watch. He's doing what he's doing, man. He he's gonna play well anytime he can play one on one. His game, I think, frustrates a lot of guys out there because they're gonna hit it by him and he's just gonna talk shit and uh stuff irons and make butts and walk off saying that ain't this ain't no hobby. Uh yeah, I, I like that guy. I really and do. The, and the guy never smiles. I mean, he is all business when he's out there. He's just mm-hmm. looking for blood. Yep. Like never like even when he wins the match right so against i forget what round was it um uh let's see here this was the quarterfinals nope sorry i take that back where am i here so the round of 16 first match saturday morning against adam scott he was three down with four to play wins all four holes wins the match i think he finished Three, 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 something like that. Chips in for holes out from the bunker on 16 for Eagle. Anyway, he buries the birdie putt on 18 to win the match. Have this unbelievable comeback. Doesn't smile. Doesn't fist pump. Doesn't tip his cap. He just takes his takes his hat off. Serious. Shakes Adam Scott's hand. Good match. And it's like, man, dude, Kev, smile, dude. You just did something fucking unbelievable. Yeah. And no nope. way to go get a beer. No, he was just like, eh, let's go. Uh, yeah, I mean, he's fun to watch. He That's a perfect golf course for him. Obviously, he's now he's won that event and come in second twice. So, again, just like Scotty, uh, a, a horse for a course there. That plays into wheel, his wheelhouse. It's not a long golf course. You have to hit a lot of different funky shots. I don't think he's ever – he's good in the wind. I don't think he's ever thrown off by some of the conditions and or, or funny bounces you might get. You know, because of the time of year they play it there in the pretty much dormant rough, those balls don't just hit and stop in the rough, you know, or, or bounce through the fairway and go in the rough. They're going to run through down into the trees, into the mulch, to the cart paths. Those balls run and take off, and um, it can throw guys off pretty easy. You don't feel like you hit a shot that that's that far off that just catches a slope the wrong way, and now all of a sudden you're 30 yards off the fairway when if the rough was up, it would be, you know, 10 yards off the fairway. Yeah. So, but yeah, he, he likes that golf course. He hits some incredible short game shots, makes a ton of putts, just fills it up. And he just has, like we've said that, that bulldog mentality. I did. I did think it was funny. You know, he was semi complaining about not getting the captain's pick and he's playing the guy that got the pick that he wanted in the finals, you know, and lost to him again. And we're not going to, Relitigate the captain's picks because one, Scotty Scheffler is now the number one player in the world, and two, they beat the pants off the European. So obviously, nothing was done wrong there. But I thought that was just a little interesting as well. So the other good thing I, I thought it was good to see DJ play well. He's been slumping, quote unquote, for you know DJ. And we've talked about it here. He had that flash at. At the players, and on Sunday, he kind of backdoored his way into a high finish there with that 63, which anytime you shoot 63 at Sawgrass is impressive. And so, but him to make it, you know, to the semis, lose to Scheffler, see him playing better is good. I think the game's a little more interesting when he's he's around. He's almost been kind of forgotten here in the last. Yeah, he hadn't been doing DJ shit. Yeah. So. I think I think he will I think we will see him come right back and 
contend and play well. You know, I think he's had a lot of distractions off the course as well. And uh, I don't think there's any reason to worry. That guy has a rare ability to turn it on when needed. Yeah, I mean, if he's hell, better him turn it on now than in January or last fall. So he's he needs to have more majors. If we're going to talk DJ, he needs to have more majors than one. I don't disagree. Oh, sorry, with two, that. two. He has two, but still, he needs to have more than two. No, I I don't disagree with that. And For a guy that wins as much as he does, you know, it's it's odd that you say that, and I may be totally incorrect, and I love the guy, but. I think he's one of those guys that I, when I look at him, I don't know sitting here right now, they call that guy's going to win a bunch more majors. I think he wins a bunch more golf tournaments, but I don't, I don't know. I, I, for whatever reason, I just don't feel like I could honestly tell you, Oh, I think that guy's going to win a bunch more majors. Speaking of someone who's now I'm just no longer a fan of, and I don't think it's going to win a bunch more uh, Brooks Kepka. I don't know. I just don't fucking like him. I've lost, I've lost all interest in the guy. But is that a reason why he's not going to win anymore? No, I just don't fucking want him to. <laughs> okay. All right. No, I don't know. I, I don't think, I think the majors that he's won is somewhat fluky. I think his confidence and how that he has, uh, how he said he just gets up for the big events. I call, I call bullshit. Uh, that was a convenient way for you to explain your success in the majors and also make you, your ego had it a little bit. It just, you know, I, I, I lost, I started there. I was like, nah, I didn't really like that. And the more he's gone and now to these full slim shady, no, nah, I'm not even interested. Well, um, yeah, that, that whole, I only got up for the majors kind of thing. It just fed into his tough guy, too school, too cool for school kind of yeah vibe that he's trying to put out there. You know, his very on brand is that kind of comment, but yeah. And, yeah. and then you didn't, you didn't like the fact what you said that, um, video or the clip of him oh telling the kids that the, the don johnson or the what was don johnson's character name in tin cup um david simmons david david sims david sims david sims there you go yeah yeah do i come to your job come on come on bro at a <laughs> time for that not that cool the fact that those kids wanted his autograph i feel bad for those kids i hope their parents get them some better role models yeah absolutely that's you know, awful. you know who I'm now out on, Matt Fitzpatrick. You yeah, know what? Okay, you know, let's. I I you, want to hear this. Yeah, you know why? I I kind of like Matt Fitzpatrick. He's been playing well. I picked him a few times in DraftKings. Sure. I did not realize. I even I even picked him this uh, for the match play to get out of his group. I did not realize he chips cross-handed. Yeah. I'm out. I can't confidence, but nope, can't support that guy. Can't do it. I'm a big short game guy. I know it it doesn't matter in the pro game anymore. I'm right. I love chipping. I love putting. I love the guys that do that well. And if you're gonna chip cross-handed, you're never gonna be picked by me again. Yeah, you've given up. Yeah. That's a tough scene. But you've given up and you're start chipping cross-handed. I saw a buddy of mine start doing it years ago and he played on he played on the minis with us. Uh Jay knows him well. Great guy, still someone who I consider a great friend, but I watched him do it and I'm just like, buddy, you've just given the fuck up. It looks really uncomfortable too. It looks like it hurts. It does. It, it, I'm, I can't, I mean, I'm chipping awful. Worst I've ever been chipping. I mean, damn near yippish. It is the worst feeling in the world. I've never once thought about going cross handed. <laughs> I swear to God. Oh my God. I will get a seven iron out before I start chipping cross handed. God, I know. 
I know VJ did it for a little bit. I'm not sure if he still does on the yeah. Champions Tour. I know he was doing it. There was a guy back in the day, um, Chris Couch. Chris Couch did it, yep. He did it. Uh, when I was working at Muirfield, he was there, and I was watching him. I was kind of driving by during his practice round, and I'm like, the fuck is that guy doing? <laughs> How did he get there? <laughs> Does he know he's doing that? I'm like, who let a member out here? What's he doing? <laughs> <laughs> did you see? I thought it was funny. I guess some people overseas uh, in the UK get pissed off at somebody. Um, put a note out there because uh, Dustin Johnson had to play Richard Bland on Saturday morning in the round of 16. And they were like, Dustin Johnson's not going to know who it is. He's going to think an Austin country club member walked onto the tee to play him. (laughs) (laughs) I thought it was a great joke. Striping it too. He's been playing some great. Yeah. 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 And some people got, some people got all butt hurt by that. They did. I read an article. People got all upset and it's like, you can't even, you can't have fun. Lee, Lee Westwood was one of the biggest guys. He got all pissy about it. Yeah, well, I think Lee's he's getting pissy about a lot of things these days. Tight for a long time. Yeah, yeah. So, do you do you like the format of this event of the match play of the group play? Without question, I do. Yeah, you get more good players for a little bit longer. Um, you get additional matches. You get additional coverage. You're not clipping everyone early, so you're so focused on five matches and three of which could be absolutely out of hand. So you can you can find a little bit more good golf. At the same time, these are Ryder Cup and President Cup tryouts. Yeah. When you're trying to look at go back and say, all right, we need some guys that are play well in match play. Well, Scheffler and and Kisner would both. Uh, be on my list of guys that are kind of right there. And well, Scheffler's obviously, and I, I shouldn't say like he's right there, but you know, when we look at Kisner, if he's ranked 13th and the guys around him don't have great match play records or, or maybe a little bit less experience or whatever, but it makes, it makes him a true contender in my eyes because yeah. you can look back and say, God, this guy's a bulldog in match play. Absolute bulldog. Those are the guys that we want. I mean, I, I truly think he is one of those guys, especially if the course sets up, um, it's not 9,000 yards, then he's got to be an easy pick. He's going to frustrate guys. If you get him on a 7,400-yard golf course, 7,500-yard golf course, you know, he's just going to stripe mid-irons in there all day and piss the guy off who's 30 yards in front of him. Yeah. I, I truly think he's probably one of the most frustrating match play players to play against. Oh, absolutely. And he and he, he even said that. You know, That quote came up this week that he just likes to be annoying in match yeah. play and he's an annoying golfer and that's what yeah. pisses people off. But I, I go back and forth in the format. I think I asked the same question last year when we talked about this event. I don't even know what I said then. I don't know what my feeling is now. I mean, I like the fact that you get a lot of golf. I like the fact that there's less chance for the top guys to go home on the first day. But then part of me says, well, it's also hard for TV to show all of it because there's 32 matches going on for three straight days. So it's hard to really see. You're really just kind of catching the last, you know, five holes of Austin Country Club. And they'll, they'll follow a match into the house and then they go to the next one and they follow that into the house. And and the other thing too is Friday is the most confusing day in golf. Because you're trying to figure out like, okay, well, if so-and-so wins this, but then him ties this and it's, well, okay, well, the points, and they're going to have to go to a playoff. Oh, but then there's going to be a three-way playoff if this guy wins his match. And it's like, 
you know, maybe I'm just a moron, which I am, but there's just the win and go home thing is, is a lot easier to understand for the average fan. It It is. And I definitely agree with that. However, I don't think it provides as much interest from a viewership perspective. If I'm looking at what makes the event more intriguing, uh, playoffs certainly make that more intriguing to me. Additional golf that's unexpected makes it more intriguing to me. Watching more players play longer makes it a little bit more intriguing to me. So I, I, I don't disagree that it is a, it's without question more difficult to understand and try to follow. But I don't know. I got to be honest. I don't really follow the group play that much. I'm watching the matches and I'm watching the playoffs. I'm just going to watch it unfold. And I let them worry about that. I'm there to watch. Good well, golf. Hey, hey, when you're a gambler, you worry about the group play and who gets out. Well, I, I was without question watching it from that perspective, <laughs> but at the same time, it's, it's, I'm not following every pool or attempting no, to follow yeah. every pool and see who has what points and who's there. It's more of just kind of saying, Oh, he wins, he's in, or they're headed to a playoff, but knowing what their point totals or whatever, I'm definitely relying on the announcers to give me all that information. I got to be honest yeah. with you. I'm not following it on my phone. No, and I, I totally get why they're doing it. They're doing it for the sponsors and for TV because they don't want the big names going home on the first day and then no one tuning in. They want guys around and, and a better chance for DJ to move on or Rom to move on or whoever it may be. And I think I this might be a, a emergency nine podcast first. I think you flip me to that side that I do like the group play. I do. I think I I I I think it makes for a better event um especially from a fan standpoint and i think that's where a lot of the decisions need to be made moving forward and i think that's a lot of what we're seeing you know what's the experience because we all know that's where all the money comes from the more interest and eyes we can get on it the more dollars they're going to line up to be a part of it so i i, I think it's good i, I gotta say I, I think it's good i think it was a good addition to the event i, I certainly agree it's more difficult but at the end of the day, the difficulty is worth the additional golf being played. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I get you. The yeah. juice is worth the squeeze. Yeah. No, I think I agree with that. Um, and, you know, it is, it's, it's, it's never going to be a perfect formula. Match play is just that kind of volatile event. You know, it's, it's not like the other World Golf Championship where it's no cut and, um, you can't have someone stumble along for two rounds and make the cut in the number and then, you know, play their ass off on the weekend and have a big comeback, which we've kind of seen some on, on occasion, but you know, like it's just, it's just match play is just different. You know, I think they said Thomas Peters for the three rounds who I happen to pick was 15 under par for the three rounds and did not even get out of his group play just because of way. <laughs> You know, he, up, yeah. and he was, he would have been, if it was a stroke play event. Now it's hard to say, right. Cause people are conceding things and not playing all the holes, but just taking the scores for three rounds, he would have been the leader Friday night in a stroke play event, but because match play is so volatile and anything can happen. And it's just who you catch on a given day, he loses. And I think even, you know, Billy Horschel got out of his group who loves match play, loves this golf course, defending champ. Yep. You know, he even said, he was like, yeah, he goes, Thomas is playing awesome. He goes, 
my first two matches, I didn't have to play that great. The guys just didn't have their stuff, and he gets two wins. Wednesday, Thursday, plays Peters. Peters played great. Horschel plays better. He wins the, the head-to-head match. That was an easy one. The winner of that match was going to go on yep. kind of thing. Um, but, yeah, and that's tough. Like, get- J- JT got smoked by Kisner. Again, essentially, the winner of that was going to go um, get out of the group play. He was three under through nine holes or two under. Through, he turns in two under the front nine. It was five down. Yeah. Because Kisner shot seven under on the front nine um, of their match on Friday. He, that's just kind of the buzzsaw you can run into in match play. Well, I, I want to give kudos to World Golf Championships because to have a different field or a different format in an event that's going to get one of the top fields, I think it's awesome. Yeah. You know, we get to see the best guys play an alternate format. We get to see something change it up a little bit. And, you know, I would argue that maybe we need, I don't know if we do a more match play, but I think that there's more there that we can, we can do a little bit. We can do a little bit to adjust slightly what we're doing and improve the product. I don't know exactly what that answer is or how to quantify exactly how you do that or where you go with it. But, I like that it's a different event. I think, again, I'm beating a dead horse at this point, but I think now with the change of the format, we're seeing all that additional golf. Um, we get a lot of coverage the first three days of the event. So I, I think it's good. Yeah. I, I love the Wednesday golf. Uh, Lindy did not. I had it on Wednesday afternoon. Mm-hmm. She was like, wait a minute. What's, today's Wednesday. Why is your golf on? I'm like, ah, it starts early this week. Yep, she just absolutely. rolled her rolled her eyes and, and walked out of the living room. But um yeah, I saw somebody, I don't know if I want to have match play a ton because we essentially get it twice a year, right? We're every year it's either the Ryder Cup or the President's Cup, and then we have this. Yep. And I think yep. that may be enough. Yeah, I don't disagree. And then someone, I think I saw this on, on social media. Someone said, What about the Zurich Classic, which is that two man event? Mm-hmm. What if you made that a two man match play? Now we're talking. I thought that was a pretty good idea. Now we're talking. Absolutely. And I I don't know. How do you do it? What do you play? Best ball or worst ball with tour pros? Oh, that would be just saying you, you have a very interesting set of events where your your other uh, team gets to pick your ball. Let's go ahead and throw them out there. Let them play worst ball. So the two guys both hit drives. The other team gets to pick which ball they play. Oh man, that would be interesting, wouldn't it? Have you ever played worst ball scramble with yourself? Oh yeah, I love it. I think I think for amateurs out there, if if you're looking to play and you maybe don't have a game, you're by yourself, you sneak out of work early, you want to go play a few holes, play nine holes and play a two ball worst ball scramble, and see how well you do. That'll test your game. See how good of a player you are is to play worst ball. Because you make an eight-foot par putt, well, sorry, you got to do it again That's for it, it to count. That's it. And, um, oh, man, that'd be awesome to see these guys do that. That'd be fun. Well, it brings in another dramatic portion up to where you got the other team picking which picking. ball they're playing. And it's going to be obvious in most circumstances. Most cases, yeah. But there's going to be there's going to be times where, um, you know, it, it's going to bring a lot into the equation. You can't just go get a bomber. And hope like hell he hits all the fairways. I mean, yeah. think about it. You got a guy that hits it way offline, but you're playing out of the woods all, all day. day. 
You're going to get triggers and burrs and all kinds of shit. Tell me you wouldn't want to watch that. Yeah, that'd be pretty fun to watch, especially if Bryson's your partner. Because did you see some of the places he hit it last week? Probably. Holy hell. He hit in every fucking hospitality tent out there on that golf course. He cold shanked multiple shots. Not just, I think, so his opening tee ball on Wednesday went about 40 yards right into a hospitality tent. Then on the second hole, hits his iron shot and cold shanks it. He was all over the place. He hit it. I forget which day. He hit it on the drivable hole 13. He hit it down through the tunnel that the patrons walk through. Then he goes to the next hole, hits iron off the tee, and cold shanks that almost into 15 fairway. Wow, he was rusty. Yeah. He had some good speed. I noticed some of the numbers when they put up his drives up there as far as swing speed and ball speed was was still pretty good. I was almost a little surprised at that. I thought he was going to throttle it down based off some of his comments prior to the event. But, man, he looked rusty. Very rusty. They said he hadn't hit. They hadn't played in well, like 45 days or something. It's, I think he's in the field this week, isn't he? I would, I, it would make a lot of sense for him to be if he's healthy because you want to get tuned up for the Masters. If you, if you, you show up like you did, but you, you need to get some reps. Yeah. He is in the field for this week. So yeah, he needs, <laughs> he needs a few more holes of golf under his yeah. belt. Uh, before going into his par 67 Augusta National next week. How about Augusta National? Yes, you want want to get into that? Let's get in there. So I'm really glad that we delayed this podcast a night. Worked out nicely. It worked out nicely in our favor. So over the weekend, was it you that sent it to us? Someone sent me the video, which was like taken down and like blocked. Yeah. Of Tiger that medalist. At, at medalist walking with Joey LaCava. And I guess he was Joey was there down with him all weekend. Tiger was walking the golf course and playing, which started to cause a bunch of stir. Someone took a, a video from the golf course, which I guess is not allowed at Medalist, and they were forced to take it down on various platforms and, and people got a hold of it and uh, it, it may be down everywhere now, but Everyone was like, oh, man, if he's walking the golf course, he's trying to get ready to play on tour. If Joey's down there with him, then he's definitely trying to get ready because, you know, he's trying to work with Joey on what are maybe his new numbers or yardages, that kind of stuff. How's his game changed? And then the whopper comes today. I bring my daughters to, to school. I come home, having a cup of coffee, start scrolling through Twitter. And it is on fire because people are starting to track Tiger's plane. The tail number on his plane is leaving from is it Stewart, Florida, right next to you. Yeah, he flew out of Witham Field, which is uh, based off of the information I saw. He passed my neighborhood this morning. I, I, if I'd have known, I'd have been out there at the roundabout just looking, waiting for it. That That's him right there. We're on the way. So I, I could have had the first report. However, I was not on my duty this morning. Um, neighborhood watch so i wasn't there to to verify his uh his passing but yeah passed my neighborhood went up to witham field and took off for ags I guess. yeah so everyone's just like tiger's plane just took off and it's heading straight for augusta and then the report came out from someone on twitter yes he's going to augusta to test out his his leg 
to see if he can walk and play the golf course. And, if, and sure enough, the plane lands in Augusta. There's pictures of it, videos of the plane sitting there. And then the reports are because there's a lot of people already on the grounds there because the Augusta Women's National uh, Amateur, Augusta National Women's Amateur, let me say that there right, sorry, yeah, there you go. Um, starts this week. I think it starts tomorrow. And so there's a bunch of people there. There were a couple of instructors that I follow on Twitter that were there with their players getting advanced practice rounds in. I know Rory was in town yesterday. And so, yeah, yeah sure enough. Down there. He's got three girls playing. Yeah, so sure enough, Tiger is there. He brings Charlie with him. JT was with him, hitting balls on the range. I know Bob Harrig with ESPN. I don't know if he was there or he was just getting fed all the information. He seemed to have most of the details today. And so allegedly he played all 18 holes. Someone said he played... He said he looked good, hit it well from what they saw. I don't think it was someone in the group, but just from what they saw from afar. And I am shocked. I have been saying all along, no chance, no chance, no chance he plays Augusta because of how tough of a walk it is. I think there's a chance now. I think there's more than a chance. (laughs) I think there's more than a chance. And we know if there's a venue that the guy wants to be ready for, it's in Georgia. Yeah. Uh, if, if he, I think maybe he, he probably doesn't even know in his own mind if he's playing it or not. I think he might have an idea when he wakes up tomorrow to see how he feels. You know, so he's, I guess, allegedly has played a bunch of days in a row down at Medalist, is what the reports are, to try to simulate getting 72 holes in plus practice rounds or whatever at the Masters. But again, the Medalist was a little flatter than Augusta National. So it'll be different if he wakes up tomorrow and he's like, oh, shit. But if it's if it's manageable pain, he's playing. Hell, the guy played on a, on a torn ACL broken leg yep. at the U.S. Open. We all know that story. He can go through some pain. And he's been through pain a whole bunch. So, yeah, I, I think if I had to make a bet on it, I think he plays. Which is wild that he's going to make his his debut after this crash at the Masters. But if there's, I almost think if he doesn't, he doesn't play until next year's Masters. I mean, I think that's where he wants to come back. He's done it before. Um, I know I I shouldn't say that. I'm sure he'll play in the uh, the PNC with his son Charlie again this year. Um, We'll probably see him somewhere before then. It would not surprise me to see him at St Andrews. Yeah, that's been the popular one. Everyone's uh, been saying St. Andrews because how flat it is, and he could but, win there in a heartbeat. But the what, unless you've been over there, the ground is so much firmer that it is much more difficult to walk on it. It gives your body much more wear and tear than the golf horses do over here. True. So there is there's that to take into consideration, and Tiger for certain knows that. So without question, lengthwise, flatwise, um, St. Andrews seems to be an easy walk. But at the same time, if it's cold and windy, as someone mentioned earlier in this podcast, not fun. Uh, it's it's certainly not fun on that amount of hardware inside his body. Yeah. But I so I had said all along I thought he'd come back and he'd play in the Open at St Andrews. But I also would have thought he would have come back and played a tour event before that to get some reps. I never would have thought he would debut at a major. So Tigers, Tigers always said 
you know, he's only going to enter an event if he thinks he can win. He can't honestly think he's going to win this event if he plays, right? He's not playing if he doesn't think he can. I I don't think he would tee it up. I just I I, I, I know I know he said that, but at some point for him, it's just got to be like I don't. I know he wants to get back. I know he wants to. Like, I just think the competitive side, like he wants to get back out there, and I get that. But I still think he, in his mind, I think in all of our minds, if there's someone who can show up and win at a venue and have an advantage, it's got to be Tiger at Augusta. Like if this exists anywhere with some human being, it's got to be Tiger at Augusta. Or Tiger at St. Andrews. Golf course at, or Tiger at St. Andrews. If he can walk that golf course, he can win. If he can limp around the golf course, he can win. I mean, I, Rocco could tell I, you that. I don't know that. I mean, you know this game. Look Buddy. at Bryson. Bryson just took off how much time and couldn't find the center of the club face. If you relate Bryson to Tiger again. Okay, so. But uh, just, we're gonna have severe problems. You, like we could get into it here over this. Like the, the I'm not comparing them. I'm just saying, as a golfer, when you take off a lot of time it. from competitive it. reps, it's not it. the same to just jump right back in and be like, "Oh yeah, I'm gonna win my first time out." Oh, it's well, only been not, it's been a year and a half since I've played competitive, real competitive golf, not the PNC, real competitive golf, and it's been a year and a half since I've I've felt the, these feels in my in my hands and my fingers. It's just, it's just, you know, it's not the same. Hitting I, golf I balls at home and playing medalists for some cash is not the same. I don't disagree with that, but I do think that if there is someone out there with the mental ability to turn it on and, and grab from within to execute in the moment when you need to have it, Tiger's the one that that has the most potential to do so. Yes, I would what agree he's with done that. Making the putts that he's made when he had to make them, even though his stats, he was never the greatest putter on tour. But the way he made, he was able to make clutch putts. He was able to pull off just these incredible shots when he had to have them. It just, to me, it gives him a chance. Again, I'm not sitting here saying that, look, I'm going to go put a million dollars on him. I think he's, he's going to win. But to me, I think Tiger thinks if he's out there, he he has the ability to get it done. And I also think that if we were going to see someone in our lifetime pull off some sort of miracle victory, I mean, we've already seen the guy do it twice. You know, I, I still think the victory in 2019 was miracle. Oh, yeah, I absolutely. Also, I also think when he won on one leg was a miracle. I just, just stuff we've never seen stuff. I don't think we'll ever see again. So I all his last two wins in majors and I will leave without question, but I'll leave it right here to say that I'm not necessarily <laughs> saying it's great money on it. I am saying that I, I think if it's someone that's going to do it, we have, we have only a handful of chances left to watch this guy come out and potentially get it done. I hope he does. I'm pulling for him. Yeah. I mean, I'm absolutely pulling for him and I hope he does too. And it'll be awesome if he does play, it would just add so much more juice. There's already enough juice with the masters every year to begin with, but just to have tiger back. So unexpected so soon, you know, none of us, I don't, I haven't heard really anyone in the media say and think he was coming back this soon. Oh, I mean, it's, it's no one thought it could happen. 
Um, but the fact that he's out walking is just mind blowing. And the fact that he's pushing himself, I mean, we know the guy has the drive. Yeah. Oh, yeah, absolutely. So, yeah, I mean, I, oh, God, if it happens, I can't wait. And I'm going to root my ass off for him. Imagine what it's going to do for the event. Oh, it's, it's going to be stupid. I mean, it, think about it. He gets out there, birdies one and three. On, uh, I think we need to put in for a media credential. The roars. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, those are likely to get back. Oh, did you see someone? It was. It, it said it was a female that posted on there. I, I got to think that it was her, or her boyfriend or her husband or whatever it was that had him. But the girl went on and on Facebook and tried to sell her tickets and everyone just started commenting like just like that blacklisted 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 it was like I can't believe she did this this is crazy they'll never get tickets again it had the ticket code it had literally every single thing on there the pictures were I I couldn't believe what I was looking at and and the internet absolutely won that day I mean (laughs) the comment section was so fantastic like Great way to get blacklisted. Great way to say you never want to go back. Hey, tell me you never wanted to go to the Masters without telling me you never want to go to the Masters. Oh, my God. I mean, it was just, it was absolutely fantastic. But I, I just couldn't believe someone had the stupidity or or the wherewithal. And what I think happened is the guy probably got lucky in the lottery, got him, needed the cash, had his girlfriend list him and think they'll never find out. Never find out. That's a, I kind of got to like the CIA. They know everything. Oh, yeah. I mean, I think they showed up and confiscated his golf clubs without him knowing. Oh, man. Done with the sport, kid. She needs to be divorced ASAP yeah. or broken up with or whatever. Whew. Something. Something. I I, I've tried that lottery every year and never won. Yeah. Now, granted, I, I'm fortunate I get to go in free as a member of the PGA. Yep. I just can't bring anyone with me. So, unless I go with, um, other club professional buddies of mine, you know, it's, I want to bring, you know, friends and family and that kind of stuff. And I don't, don't get me wrong. I got some good friends that are the PJ members, but so I try to get in every year to see if I can get a couple to bring some people with me. Cause I can go for free, but yeah, I'm over in that thing the last like 10 years. Yeah. So tiger tiger's back. It is. I mean, I think someone posted he's already won the pit for 2022 just because of today alone. Oh, I guarantee it. <laughs> it is. It's remarkable how much he still matters and is way he's, more important than anyone else in this game of golf. It's it's wild. And so hopefully, uh, hopefully next week when we do our Masters preview show, we're talking about where Tiger will finish. And he'll be committed and in. And I don't know when we'll hear. It's going to be a long couple of days. I doubt it'll be tomorrow. My guess it's the typical, you know, all these events you have to commit by, I don't know if it's it's Friday at some point. Uh, I'm not sure the time, if it's noon, five o'clock, when it is. And I'm assuming Augusta is the same way as the tour events, but I don't know that. Now, as a past champion, he could probably tell them whenever he wants if he's out. But he's still listed on, the, and that's where all this speculation started. He's still listed on the website as in the field, where Phil is listed as a past champion, not in the field. He will not be playing the Masters. And people, oh my God, this will be the first Masters in however many years without Tiger and Phil. And 
So hopefully, yeah, hopefully next week you guys will listen to us break down how successful Tiger can be. And that's let's, it. let's move right into it though. How is Phil listed as a past champion not playing? What what transpired there? Well, How did you get to this point? I mean, I, I know that they said that they kind of maybe said that you know, we don't we don't need that here, which sounds right up Augusta National's alley. Yeah, there was, an, there was I forget who it was. I think it was actually a uh, reporter out of West Palm Beach that had put that out there the other day. He had heard from a source that Augusta had called Phil and be like, yeah, probably best if you just skip this one this year. And so it'll be How really feel. How about that phone call? Whew. I mean, they're, they're not afraid to, to ban people or nope. tell people to take a hike. Yep. You know, just even was it last year, right? Um, Wayne player, Gary player's son Gone. is standing behind Lee Elder on the first tee on the ceremonial first tee and, and Lee couldn't hit. So he was sitting down because of health reasons and uh, has since passed, unfortunately. But Wayne player is there holding a sleeve of golf balls with whatever he was hawking. That fucking guy. I had a chance to meet him once. He's a douchebag of epic proportions. There, dude. And you know, just trying to use the whole Lee Elder thing to publicize and advertise for whatever shitty golf ball he's trying to sell. And you're out. Adios. Don't come back. Banned for life. Banned for life. So, yeah, it's it's crazy. I'll be curious. It, we'll have a real tell, and I doubt he will show at the champion's dinner. My guess is they told him don't come at all. If it's true that they told him don't come, he's probably definitely not at the champion's dinner. Now, if he's just still doing this as part of his, I'm going to take some time to become a better person. Interesting. Um, will he show up at the champion's dinner on Tuesday night? Interesting. You I know, everyone's going to be looking. Me. You know, everyone's going to be wondering if he's going to be there and it will be reported on. A hundred percent. Now I'm intrigued. So that will be the other, the other test. Okay. We know he's not playing, but will he even be on the grounds to go to the champion's dinner? I bet he didn't. Or it's the only event he's allowed because there's no press, obviously. Correct. But they normally put out the photo like the next day or that night. They put out, they all get together. They all sit around and they take the photo and the Masters puts it out, you know, on their social media and all over the place at the champion's dinner. And you'll see, you know, the golf channel cameras will catch the people. They'll be hanging out in the balcony out of the clubhouse, you know, having a a cocktail before the, the dinner. And you'll see some guys, you know, video of guys walking into the clubhouse and this and that. So, oh, yeah. He's wanted anywhere right now. I don't think he's wanted anywhere. don't want him. He did not want it here. I mean, he's in a bad spot. I mean, the guy, the guy, you talk about burying yourself in such a quick time. I mean, wow. That was fast. What an incredible turnaround. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. There will be documentaries on this. He is toxic now to like everyone in golf unbelievable from from america's golden child yeah unbelievable speaking of this speaking of the saudis you're gonna get a refill all right get a refill and we'll talk about those saudis real fast i gotta take a piss wouldn't be the emerging nine golf podcast without a quick saudi golf talk yeah all right we're back quick commercial break there thank you to all of our supporters and sponsors couldn't do without you if you noticed we referenced no one so 
the Saudi league. I just got a kick out of this the other day. I sent it to you guys. I thought it was a joke when I forget who it was. I'm trying to find it. It was like an agent or PR person or manager of a tour guy who put this out. He got it in his like personal email. It was like his nickname at gmail.com kind of thing. It wasn't even his business email address. And allegedly the Saudis got an email list of a bunch of PGA tour players. If the PGA tour basically gets requests and fan mail and requests for autographs, they're like, where do we send it to? And they got the emails for these people of like a contact list, but not like the main contact list of the agents or the players directly. And they sent out live golf invitational, which is, um, again, the Saudi golf league, an invite to register to be applied to join the event. And this is specifically for the London event, which is their first one in June. So upon registration, the tournament committee will review and confirm official invitations based on qualification criteria. If selected, you will receive. And I, I just thought it was funny because it's like, if you guys are so powerful and all these top players want to play, I thought you would just be cutting contracts and paying guys tens and twenties and hundreds of millions of dollars to come play, not reaching out to just all kinds of random PGA tour events to say, please register and apply. And the guy put out the, I, I never did it. Did you go to the link? The guy put out the link and the password that was in this email. I didn't go that far. No. Um, I, I almost wanted to log on to this thing and, and register myself and with the live golf. Absolutely. I'm assuming they've I'm changed his password now since it's, since it's been broadcast to the world, but I don't, I don't know. It's like, wait a minute. I thought, I thought you had all these players. So you obviously don't have any players. No. If you're just random shooting shit out to random people and with shitty email addresses. And the guy was like, I almost didn't even see this or pay attention to it. And I wish I knew where, who the guy was that, that initially put it out, but then some other guys, people, other reporters got a hold of it and put it out. But yeah, it's, I don't know. That's all I wanted to say was, man, they look worse and worse every time something comes out about them, but can't be much of an invitational if you're inviting everyone. I do think the first couple of pros who go over there are going to get paid though. We're not going to know who the fuck they are, but they're going to get paid. <laughs> yeah. I guess someone did some more digging. I think that someone maybe even logged into the site. I'm looking on Jeff Shackelford's uh, website right now. And he wrote an article and they're talking about, there's going to be a live draft. will take place on, on the Tuesday of the event with uh, captains. I don't know who the captains are. Interesting. You know, because again, because the team of uh, in, individual and team event running concurrently, uh, but there's going to be, you know, the tour is going to have three Asian tour players are going to be exempt, whatever that means. There's a few other Asian uh, tour players going to be in with like five total. That's because the, the Saudi league has partnered with the Asian tour to get some world golf rankings and they've given the Asian tour a whole bunch of money. Um, but there's a few DP World Tour players, which is the European Tour, um, Race of Dubai rankings, PGA Tour players. So I, I don't know. It was just weird. It's just like, hey, yeah, register for our event. I thought it was no. We're gonna, hey, we're gonna it, give it you fifty million dollars to come over. It obviously shows they're grasping 
uh, at Strauss to try and get some guys to come over and play. I mean, they're obviously not, they don't have a field set. Um, they're trying to make it attractive with money. And I think they're going to get some guys. It'll be very interesting to see who does. But right now there is a fear base that you could ruin your entire career. Now, are there some guys that are on that lower tier of professional golf that are willing to go do it for big money? 100%. So it'll be interesting to see who the guys are and kind of see what their correlation is between where they were with the major tours of the PGA and DP world tour and to see where they are on this live golf tour and, or SGL or whatever the fuck it's called at this point. Um, you know, it'll, it'll just be interesting to follow, but I, I do think there's an opportunity for some guys to go over there and get paid. Yeah. I mean, some guys are definitely going to go do it. I think Lee Westwood is definitely one of them. I think Jason Kokrak's definitely one of them. Um, it'll just be, it'll just be interesting to see what, what comes about. I think it's going to be a complete utter shit show just what based off of how they've, they've handled the last couple of months and, um. Yeah, I just thought that was that was interesting. I just wanted to bring that up, and I thought it was a a joke at first. I thought it was fake, but it was definitely real. So, all right, let's um, let's get into our picks. We get to everyone's interested in the Valero Texas yeah. Open. I can't wait. You're gonna love this. <laughs> Should I bring the power rankings to see what your notes are? No, because I've already got them up. Did you win last week, by the way? I did. I did. Another victory. You're welcome. Um, All right. Let's hear him. I, I am so ready to go with this. Let's go. Do you have the power rankings up? I can in like two clicks. All right. So let's just start off here. Okay. Uh, we're on Matthew Neesmith. Captivated us with the focus at the Copperhead where he plays T3. His ball striking was as impressive as his Zen-like mental game. Co-led 2021 edition in par five scoring and finished T third. Those are not my words. <laughs> what's what's the price figure on Matthew Neesmith? I actually had him on my team and, and took him off. Uh, all right. I'm not going to qu- directly quote the power rankings anymore, but I did take Matthew Neesmith and I did. I did make my entire team out of guys in the power rankings. I mean, that's pretty good. So like, and, and you not- won't believe who I dropped out last second. Ryan Palmer. It, it hurt a little, <laughs> but I did I dropped him out. But I mean, on my entire team's in the power ranking. So starting off 9,800, Mr. Corey Connors guy's been playing some great golf as of recently. Yeah. He's tired, dude. He played a shit ton of golf. He played seven rounds as well. He played the consolation. I thought about Corey Connors because he plays his golf course well and he's playing well, but man, he's got to be fucking exhausted. Well, I need to repick him. Hang on. What do I got here? I'm sticking with him. <laughs> I could have taken Maverick McNeely for a little bit less, but I'm still going to stick with him. Corey Connors. Uh, moving down from there, uh, Mr. Adam Hadwin, the hot putter himself. Uh, lower, 8,700. Guy has been playing really good out of the lake. Mr. Kevin Streelman has also has a good history here. Uh, moving down from there, Mr. Charlie Hoffman. And then tied for the top, the bottom spot. At 7,100 each, Mr. Anurban Lahiri and Matthew Neesmith. I thought about Lahiri as well, but... Um, at 7,100, I think it's I think it's a good dollar. Yeah, not bad. Good value there. I um, 
as I'm looking at their power rankings, I have three guys. I think only th- only three from their power rankings. So uh, I'll start at my bottom. I took a couple of flyers. So my bottom, 6,700 Doc Redman. I like that. Uh, Clemson boy, he's had some decent finishes this year, playing okay. He didn't play great. He missed a cut at Putacana, um, but played well at Valspar, played well at the players before that. So I'm going to take a little bit of flyer down sub 7,000 at Doc Redman. Then I go up to uh, Bo Hostler, 7,000. Okay. Missed the cut. Missed the cut, the players, but I'm not going to hold that against him because of the draw that he was in and a lot of the top players in the world missed the cut, the players. But you look at some of his other finishes, you know, 20th at uh, Bay Hill, 16th at the Honda, third at Pebble Beach, just playing some pretty good golf, made the cut at Genesis. So I like Bo Hosler at 7,000. Yeah. Then I'm going to go up to Patton Kazire at 8,000. Again, just pretty steady, solid, nothing crazy, kind of a bunch of top 30s. Going to make a bunch of cuts. He's going to make a bunch of birdies as well. Um, the more birdies you make, the better you do at this golf course, really any golf course. But um, he plays par fives really well, which is important uh, at TPC San Antonio. So I like PK at 8,000 there. Then I'm going to go up to uh gentleman you have, Streelman. Again, been playing well and plays this golf course well. Just another steady guy. Doesn't miss a bunch of cuts. I like Streelman. Then I think here's my winner. A little bit of a sneaky winner. Yeah. 9,300 Gary Woodland. Starting to round into form. Hasn't been yeah. great um, of late. Excuse me. Um, but plays well here. He had a T6 last year. Game starting to round into form. Again, another guy that makes a bunch of birdies and plays par fives well. So like Gary Woodland as my winner. And uh, another guy a bunch of people are talking about for this golf course, I think his game just fits, is the Spanish sensation. Yes. Abraham answer, uh, $10,300. He's, I guess, one of the favorites, but is accurate, a very accurate player with good good putting. Uh, I like him to uh, to finish high as well. So that's my squad. It's a, actually a decent field. You know, you got Rory, you got Spieth, you got DeChambeau. Hideki Matsuyama, Jason Day. So the more I look at this, I don't like my squad. I think the power rankings are all wrong. I don't know who does this research. <laughs> it's uh well, they also got Rasmus Hogarden as uh Hogard, sorry, not Hogard, Hogard as uh number 15 on their power rankings. Yeah, I had him on my team briefly. So I'm I'm not sure why he makes the I know he's been playing well over in Europe, but uh, yeah, Corrales he played well at and he got up and when the funny part is for whatever reason i just decided i was like oh man i'm just gonna bank everyone on the power rankings this weekend i have no reason why i did that i have no i have no reason why it makes any sense it's called laziness you're now the more i look back on it i agree <laughs> so yeah i mean this is where uh jordan speeds were defending champ kind of what we thought got off the schneid and is back, although he really hasn't been playing well in the last six months, so I don't think he's back yet. I think he's still working through a whole bunch of things with Cameron McCormick. Yep. And they have him listed number three here on their power rankings, but he's just off. I mean, I know he's defending champion. He's Jordan Spieth, but he seems off. They have Rory McIlroy number one. 
he seems off too. It was hard to, to put down that kind of money for him. So I, I know he, he actually skipped with it. It was a bunch of good guys that skipped the match play. In all honesty, I think there was four top 10 guys that skipped the match play. You had Rory, Cam Smith, Sam Burns, Hideki Matsuyama. Yeah. Well, um, Cam coming off the win makes sense. Um, Rory, I just don't think he likes match play. Yeah. And maybe he just thought this was a better prep for Augusta to play a stroke play event versus, you know, getting into some odd course management patterns and thoughts and mindset in match play because it is different than stroke play. So, but yeah, so a decent field and um, really just an appetizer before we get to Augusta and we'll all be on Tiger Watch the next, you know, 48, 36 hours or so before he I'm makes a decision. So, I'm tracking his plane. I want to know where he is at all times. Track it right now. He's probably already back home. Guaranteed. In, in bed. So, yeah. I wonder what Charlie shot today. That's what I want to know. I need a report on that. Yeah. We can't. There's no tracker for that. <laughs> so, all right. I appreciate it to all of our listeners again. Thank you for tuning in. Sorry for the one day delay, but we'll be back next week to break down the Valero Texas Open and preview the Masters. Have a good night. Thanks, guys. Cheers.